65, if you go there, please. The music this morning has been a tremendous blessing. Um, that opening song, Isn't He Wonderful?, and then Ring the Bells of Heaven, that's, a, that's got a fun energy to it, really good message. Uh, the, then we sang, To God Be the Glory. Boy, we, we want that to be every, every Sunday, every day of the, of the week, but, but to God be the glory, great things he hath done. We'll talk about that today in the message. Uh, the choir sang, How Great Thou Art. Uh, that was so good. Um, and then enjoyed that, that offertory. Uh, and then the, the 229, Tell Me the Old, Old Story. And then even that last verse, uh, uh, Tell Me the Old, Old Story when, when you have cause to fear that this world's empty glory is costing me too dear. When my heart is aimed at wrong things, empty things, things that promise to satisfy, but they're lying. When you see me uh, uh, hooked um, to the, the lie of of this world's empty glory, please come. I pray you, you care enough about me to come alongside and tell me that's, uh, that's empty and it's lying to you. It's lying to you. Um, please care about me that much. Boy, the music, what a blessing today it's been. So Psalm 65, we are, uh, we're, we're going to conclude that series today on strong confidence. Strong confidence. Uh, so that was uh, Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. That's the verse we've been looking at uh, these last Sundays. Um, And his children shall have a place of refuge. So strong confidence. So uh, two Sundays ago, we looked at some characteristics of biblical confidence. Uh, The fellow beings around us long to be able to walk through this life with some confidence But true confidence is Bible confidence, and that alone is strong confidence. Last Sunday, we we looked at some contrasts to confidence. We see in the Bible we need to follow after faith instead of flesh. Uh, We need to learn to lean on God instead of find gold and to look to the power of prayer and not to princes Better to trust in the Lord to put confidence in princes. And then this week, I want to finish the series with a look at the captain of our confidence, God himself. Uh, In Psalm 65, verse 5, and hopefully you're there, by terrible things in righteousness wilt thou answer us, O God of our salvation, who art the confidence of all the ends of the earth. And of them that are afar off upon the sea. So there we are in, in Psalm chapter 65. It's a, it's a psalm of David. Dedicated to the choir director of the tabernacle, the chief musician. It says it's a psalm and song of David. Which probably means that he wrote the words and the melody. This is also true of Psalm 48. Many of David's other psalms were centered around crises. <laughs> So David was going through something awful. And he's like, oh, and he's crying out to the Lord. And they're wonderful psalms, but this psalm is a little different. It seems to be a psalm of rejoicing. Uh, toward the end, the third, uh, the third third of this psalm has a lot to do with how, how good God is and how bountiful his harvests are. So it seems to have a tone of rejoicing through this psalm. Uh, so a, a context of God's bountiful harvest, he's so good to us. He's the captain 
of our salvation. So I kind of broke the psalm into three parts. Uh, and so we're asking ourselves, well, why is he, you know, we started with that song, Isn't He Wonderful? So, well, he's a wonderful captain of our confidence, first of all, because he's so approachable. He's so approachable. Uh, just look, look there in verse 2. It says, unto thee shall all flesh come. Uh, so that's kind of talking about the future. But even in verse 4 it says, blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee. We'll talk about this, but it, wasn't it wonderful with Jesus in the New Testament when a mom could, could feel comfortable bringing her little one to Christ? Oh, I, I want to approach. Oh, he's, you know, some, oh, he's too, and, and Jesus never thought he was so important that a mom couldn't bring her little one to him. Jesus didn't think he was so important that he, oh, I'm too busy. Oh, there, there's, a, there's a blind man over there crying out for mercy and for help, for just a little bit of attention from you. Oh, Jesus never thought himself so important that he didn't have time to go and, and talk to, oh, he's so approachable. What a wonderful captain of our confidence. He's so approachable. Secondly, he's just awesome. He's just awesome. The middle of this psalm says great things about him. Uh, it says there in, in verse 5, by terrible things. In righteousness wilt thou answer us. Um, and then verse 6, he sets up the mountains by his strength. Uh, there, there's, there's Lydia down there, Lydia Golden. And we would talk about the Canadian Rockies sometime and how big and majestic some of these mountain ranges are. And, and the, the Himalayas uh, over there uh, on the other side of the world, these, these mighty, majestic mountain ranges. Uh, and, and how little they make us feel. And then to think that he sets up the mountains by his strength and, and is girded with power. Oh, he's just awesome. Verse 7, he stills the waves uh, and the tumults of people. Uh, verse 8, he, he that dwelleth in the uttermost parts, uh, they that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid of thy tokens. He's just awesome. And by the way, not the way we use awesome sometimes, right? <laughs> You're driving by Culver's, and you're like, hey, the flavor of the day happens to be my favorite ice cream. And it's like, awesome. Okay, that's kind of how we use it. But <laughs> I'm talking about he's the definition of truly awesome. To be filled with awe at his greatness. Oh, I looked out, and as, as the choir sang, how great thou art, there were some that were just lost in his greatness, some with their eyes kind of closed and mouthing the words. And, and sometimes, I'm, not getting, I'm guilty sometimes, too, where others, where mind, our minds are wandering other places while those words, how great thou art, are being sung. What a wonderful captain of our confidence. He's so approachable. He's so awesome. And then the last third of this psalm, he's just affectionate. He's so kind and good. He's so affectionate. Uh, verse 9, he visits and waters the earth, and he greatly enriches it. Why? For us. For us. Verse 10, he makes the earth soft with showers. Verse 11, he crowns 
each year with goodness. Uh, boy, that harvest time when he crowns the earth with the golden riches of his harvest. Um, and then verse 13, he clothes the pastures with flocks. Um, oh, that's wonderful. He, he's meticulous. He's so attentive. He makes sure this earth produces wonderful things for us to enjoy. Why is he such a wonderful captain of our confidence? Because he's approachable and awesome and oh, so affectionate toward us. So let's look at these things, but first let's have a word of prayer and then we'll enjoy these three truths together. Lord, we love you. I pray that you bless this time we have. And thank you, oh God, for being such a wonderful captain of our confidence. Lord, we, we can have strong confidence if we have fear of you and, and your children know a place of refuge and safety. Oh God, thank you. We can trust in you. We don't have to walk this earth in fear, not knowing what the future holds. Lord, we know who holds the future. And oh, what a wonderful captain of our confidence that makes you. But Lord, forgive us. So often we, our minds are drawn away as the choir sings, How Great Thou Art. Our attention is drawn to pitiful things that this world has to offer, as though those are satisfying when they are anything but they leave us empty and hungrier and more hollowed out when we let this world try to satisfy us. Only you, O oh God, satisfy. Lord, we want to take a trip through this precious psalm, Psalm 65, and see, God, that you are the captain of our confidence. Oh, please speak to our hearts as we do. So we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So first of all, verses 1 through 4, uh, he is such a, a wonderful captain of our confidence because he is just so approachable. Approachable. Verse one, he, he starts with praise. Praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Sion. Sion is Zion or Jerusalem where God uh, chooses as his dwelling place. Uh, uh, one day he'll dwell there in his kingdom. And of course, uh, uh, in, in, the, in the New Testament times, uh, uh, there he was dwelling in Jerusalem in much of the Old Testament. Uh, down here, men's hearts are aimed at Babylon or Egypt or Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember, Lot pitched his tent toward earthly cities down here. Abraham pitched his heart toward that city whose builder and maker was God. There's a new Jerusalem coming one day, representative of Christ and his kingdom. Which city is your heart aimed at today? Babylon and Egypt and Sodom and Gomorrah or the things of this world or, oh, the, the place where Christ chooses to rule and reign. And in fact, even today say, he's my king. I belong to his kingdom already. Like Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Oh, I recognize King Jesus in his kingdom. And one day he will set up his authority in Jerusalem when that, when that, when that stone comes and, and destroys the image of Nebuchadnezzar that he dreamed about. And then that stone grows into a gigantic mountain. All his kingdom is coming, but I recognize it already. Do you? Oh, it's a good sign that you're in church. It's a good place to be. 
Say, Lord, aim my heart at Zion. Uh, and unto thee shall the vow be performed. This is where David would fulfill his vows toward God. Verse 2, O thou that hearest prayer. Does that remind you about how approachable he is? That we can cry out to him. O thou that hearest prayer. What grand eloquence. I'm so glad that he hears prayer, but I'll be the first to tell you that I don't pray like I should. I have it down in my prayer list that, that prayer got a hold of a mighty God one time and it stopped the sun. That's unbelievable. Prayer got a hold of a mighty God and stopped the sun. That's how powerful prayer is. But you know, God is that big, but he's also so near that I can lose my glasses <laughs> and say, oh God, big enough to stop the sun and near enough to help me find my glasses and he'll help me. What a wonderful God. He says, unto thee shall all flesh come. Now that verse might confuse us because we look at this world around us and we don't see a lot of flesh coming to him. We look at Matthew 7 where it says, most flesh is on the broad path to destruction, following the, what pleases me, like lemmings. What pleases me, what pleases, most flesh is going that wrong direction. But it's future tense. Unto thee shall all flesh come. Uh, one day, when Christ sets up his kingdom, with his capital there in Jerusalem, all flesh will come to him. And it's certainly not saying, well, people have their own religions. And they all have their own way of, of going to God. That's not what it's saying. John 14, 6 is still in the Bible where it says, uh, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Boy, uh, one day all eyes will be riveted on him. One day all hearts will quicken in anticipation of him. But that's not down here on this earth right now. A lot of people don't care much for him. But that doesn't mean that we have to be that way. Oh, does your heart quicken a little bit in anticipation? I'm going to church today. I want to get a, a glimpse of God. Verse 3. Iniquities prevail against me. Sin. Boy, at times our sin, our desire to sin seem to overcome us. Our sinful desires are too powerful for us by ourselves to say no to. Uh, boy, you, you, you catch a glimpse of, of God and then in that context, you, you catch a glimpse of who we really are, don't we? There in Luke chapter 5, you don't have to turn there, but, but Jesus came along and said, uh, Luke, uh, uh, Peter, Peter, let down your, net, your nets for a catch. And, and Peter, like a lot of us, you know, we're like, well, God, you're an expert in certain things, but I'm an expert in other things. And, and Peter's probably thinking, I'm kind of an expert fisherman. I mean, you're, I, I'm not going to doubt you when you give me carpentry, you know, tips. When you give me carpentry hacks, I'll listen. But when it comes time to fishing hacks, I'm kind of the one to ask. Uh, you know, so there's Peter, and he says, let down your nets. And he's like, we toiled all night, and we've caught nothing. And he says, nevertheless, I will begrudgingly do what you want. And even then it was only, it seems to be only partial. 
He didn't let down nets, but he let down a net. And pretty soon it was so full of fish that his net broke. And he calls another boat over and says, you got to help us. And pretty soon both boats are, are sinking. And then he realizes, this is no normal man. This is the God of heaven come in human flesh. And Jesus had not said anything about sin. But Peter got a glimpse of Christ. And then he got a glimpse of himself. And he said these words in verse 8. Depart from me. After falling on his face before God, he said, depart from me for I am a sinful man. He got a glimpse of who God was. And because of that, he got a glimpse of who he was. And that's why we come to church. Oh God, give me a glimpse of who you are because I have the wrong view of who I am. And I need a right view of who I am after I get that glimpse of who you are. Now the verse goes on. It says, as for our transgressions, thou shalt purge them away. Oh, what a blessing. David knew the limited and finite sacrifices of the tabernacle as picturing the real and full atonement that would come one day in the Lord Jesus Christ. Purge, the word here is kafar, or atonement, or to cover. Uh, you, you can go back to Genesis 6, 14, when they, when they built the ark and they covered the wood with pitch, with tar. It's the same word, pitch, uh, covering. Uh, judgment was, was coming in the form of those floodwaters. Those floodwaters were going to kill the, all, the, all those that breathed, uh, breathed air. Uh, judgment was coming and was going to destroy flesh except... For those that were behind the walls of the ark that had that covering. Water was going to kill some. Most. But it wasn't going to kill everybody. See, some were judgment proof behind the covering. Some were judgment proof behind the covering. And the water that was going to kill many wasn't going to kill them. And by the way, the judgment of, for sin is coming for all flesh. But we can be judgment-proof when we're covered, when we're atoned, when our sin is covered and purged and cleansed by the blood of Christ. We can be judgment-proof because of that covering, because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because of him, our sins are buried deeper than the deepest sea and removed as far as the east is from the west. Verse 4, blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee. By the way, doesn't the Bible tell us in James 4, 8, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. Actually, it's every one of us that God chooses, every human being. God is willing that none should perish. He says, won't all of you, each and every one of you approach unto me. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest. Do you feel blessed to be here today? Thank you, God, that I can be in your house. Or do we feel the opposite sometimes? Man, God needs to write me a thank you note for attending. Here I am. He needs to write me a thank you note. I'm expecting a thank you note in my mailbox when I get home today. I did him a, I did him a, a solid by being here. To, no, no, do you say, oh, Lord, what a blessing. What a blessing it is for me to have the chance to be in your house and to be able to approach unto thee at all in salvation. The fact that I can draw nigh boldly unto the throne of grace. Oh God, what a blessing. And forgive me that I don't do it more. 
Help me to fix that. Jesus, God made flesh, was so approachable. We talked about mothers that could bring their little ones to him, blind ones that could cry out for help. So many human beings down here are are so stern and stiff and unapproachable. Not so with our God. Remember the gods of the Old Testament? Moloch and Chemosh? Nothing kind about them. Nothing kind about them. Uh, the, 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 The followers of those false deities thought that they needed human sacrifice and they would they would they would kill their children to those false gods. And in, in many ways, America is just as guilty. Sacrificing uh, the, the unborn, uh, murdering babies, we call it abortion. We have the same false gods. The false gods of convenience. The false gods of irresponsibility. All these false gods are cruel. The ones that America follows when we're not where we're supposed to be with God Almighty. They were cruel, but oh, how kind the Jesus of the New Testament that that we see there. And by the way, God up in heaven does require human sacrifice, but he provided himself as that human sacrifice. The story of the gospel is so beautiful. You know how we'll say, man, you can't make this stuff up i got to say, the gospel's so beautiful that you can't make this stuff up. How beautiful. That God became flesh and he was the human sacrifice. Man, David talks about men being drawn to God, but not only men drawn to God, but men delighted in God. That he may dwell in thy courts. The direct or immediate application, of course, would be to the Levites uh, who would have a special place of service before the Lord. Uh, But the application can be drawn into our day and age uh, to those of us in the New Testament church. What What a blessing we enjoy to be chosen in Christ to come before God as his bride for his son that will be presented to him one day. I believe there, uh, there are, there's, there's metaphors that are soteriological having to do with salvation, metaphors that are, uh, that are ecclesiological having to do with the church. But oh, how wonderful to be chosen in Christ to come before him and to serve. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Oh, the blessings that flow from service in God's holy temple. Those who serve with thanksgiving in his church are the most blessed people in this church. Are you serving here? Are you busy for him? Those are the blessed ones that are here. I don't, I don't find that I have the same heart as a lot of people at this church. Maybe I should look for a different church. Well, a lot of people in this church have a heart to serve and please him. When you have a heart that's not to serve and please him, you're going to find ah, a lack of connection. We care about you, but we, 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 we want to be busy about the Lord. We want to serve him. You want to be blessed in this church? Don't sit and soak and sour. Sit and soak in the truths and then serve. Get busy for the Lord. 
I remember uh, years ago um, when we'd have, you know, you have your landline, your phone, right? Your phone, and you're paying like how much? And, and maybe you have, you have AT&T, and then MCI sends you a, an ad. They're like, why don't you switch over to us? We, we have better rates. And you're like, oh, well, <clears throat> let me look at this for a while. You're looking at that, and oh, well, maybe I'll do that for a while. And maybe you switch over to, to MCI, and, and then it was an introductory rate, and <laughs> they jack up your prices. And, and, then MC, and then AT&T, their ads come along, and you're like, I'm ready to consider this again. Oh, that looks good. And you're going back and forth. Uh, who has the best things to offer me? Boy, the American Christian feels like Christianity is consumerism. Lord, what do you have for me today? Oh, that sounds okay, but let me see what the world has to offer. Let me see what this church over there has to offer. Ah, uh, you know, oh, maybe it's an introductory rate over there, but I'm going to try that for, oh, no, it's, it's what does he have for me? No, it's what can I be for him? And when you have that heart, you'll find that you're the happiest person in the house of God. Not only is he a wonderful captain of our confidence because he's so approachable, but secondly, he's such a wonderful captain of our confidence because he's just awesome in the true sense of the word. Verse 5, by terrible things in righteousness wilt thou answer us, O God of our salvation. Terrible things speaks of his, his awesomeness and he says, by terrible things wilt thou answer. His awesomeness in his answers uh, it's, it's already amazing that he answers us, but often he does so in such a way that we're struck with awe and fear. He really is amazing. Moses came to Pharaoh and said, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you what God wants. And Pharaoh thought, well, I don't really care. <laughs> I don't really care what, what God wants. And that's the vast majority of humanity down here. What did, what did Pharaoh say in, in, uh, it's in, in, in Exodus 5, 2? He says, who, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I, I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Well, he asked the question, and God answered it, didn't he? By terrible things in righteousness wilt thou answer us. Who is the Lord? Oh, Pharaoh soon found out. Soon the terrible plagues upon Egypt brought the mightiest nation on this earth to its knees. And that last plague, the, the death of the firstborn, Pharaoh got his answer. Who is the Lord that I should listen to him? Oh, do you have your answer? Oh, don't have the heart. Who is the Lord that I should? Oh, don't have that heart. Say, you are Lord and I will listen. But in that same story, there were some firstborn young men who woke up the next morning with breath in their bodies. And you know why? Because God had said what they could do to not pass away. If they would take that blood and put it upon those doorposts, God in his mercy would spare those lives. Oh, the awesomeness of God as he went through and said, those who disregarded me have, have the loss of a firstborn in those homes. 
but those who just obeyed. It's not hard. Those who simply just obeyed. The firstborn young men in those homes woke up. Oh, how wonderful is God that tells me what I can do to know his mercy and his grace. God, the God of salvation, who art the confidence of all the ends of the earth, the Bible says, and of them that are afar off upon the sea. Confidence just means trust. Today there are believers all over the world. How fun did the Armacoster over there in Myanmar, uh, uh, working with Pastor Tong, uh, trying to, to, to pour themselves into some, some orphans and say, listen, you orphans, you might not have a human father, but can I let you know you can have a heavenly father and he wants to do mighty things with you. And his, his heart is that over there on the other side of the world, God can raise up people and, and give the gospel and souls can be saved all over the globe. Not just for Israel, not just for America, everywhere, all flesh. Who art the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of them that are afar off upon the sea. He alone is the trustworthy one. Whether people choose to recognize that or not. Verse 6, which by his strength setteth fast the mountains, being girded with power. Oh, how little we are. Uh, this, yeah, so we got to, again, I, t- I told the story where Alec and I, we went out with a group of men with uh, Mr. O'Hare and, and uh, just a good group of guys who went out there climbing in the Tetons. Oh, you, you, you recognize how little you are <laughs> out there. Oh, the grandeur, the power. Um, uh, Paul Knowles and, and Thomas and Alec and me, we, we rented a, a side-by-side. And it, it was a fancy one. Had GPS in the middle, and, and the guy said, hey, make sure you beat up on this machine. Have a good time. And he sent us. So we actually drove away from the Tetons. Um, and uh, so we're out there driving through the, 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 the wilderness out there. And at one point, we're following the GPS, and, and the, the trail seems to go away. And, uh, and, and it says that the, the GPS seems to tell us to go into that river over there. And it wasn't a creek. It wasn't a stream, it was a river. And you're like, into the river? And you look across the way and the, the path comes up out of the, the water on the other side. And you're like, oh, that's the way we're supposed to go. I, I assume that it's shallow enough that we're not just gonna, you know. It's like, well, that. <laughs> and so I'm, I, it, there's the path. And so, you know, Brother, Brother Knowles, um, he seems so calm and reserved, but he isn't. Uh, he, he, he was driving, and you put him behind the, the wheel of one of those machines, and uh, uh, the, the doctor, whichever, Jekyll Hyde, whichever was the crazy, oh boy, he was, and so he hits that water, um, and this wall of water comes up, and you know, we had, we had opened the drain plugs in the bottom of the machine so everything could, could drain out. We'd put on our rain gear, and this wall of water, and by faith, we, we, we still think we're still heading toward the path, and the, we had no idea because the, the water coming up. Uh, I was looking at pictures of, of that trip the other day, and, and that time, uh, here and there, even when we're way, we're miles and miles and miles away, there's a bunch of pictures of the Tetons, the range, because even as we are far away, it just kept arresting our attention. We would stop and look back and, oh, wow, as they reach up triumphantly to the sky and 
And I remember they're just we, we, like, we, off-roading and doing it, and then a picture of the Tetons. And then doing this and that, and then the picture of the Tetons. And, and then this and that, and then the picture of the... It kept arresting our attention. Oh, he's amazing, by which he setteth fast the mountains being girded with power. Verse 7, which stilleth the noise of the seas, the noise of the waves, and the tumult of the people. It doesn't matter if it's the, the restlessness of, of the, the waves or the restlessness of this world. He can still them both. He stilleth the noise of the sea. We saw that in the New Testament, didn't we? There in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is asleep. They're in this boat and they come down they're like, we're going to die. Carest thou not that we perish? How can you sleep? Uh, maybe, maybe in our modern day we would say, are you out of touch with reality? You're asleep and, and, and we're about to die. Are you out of touch? Jesus wakes up calmly <laughs> and rebukes the winds and the waves. No, I, I'm, I'm not out of touch with reality. I'm completely in charge of it. Amen. Why is he a great captain of our confidence? Because he's just awesome. And the tumult of the people. One day at Armageddon, it doesn't matter how crazy things get down here. He can silence it any time he chooses. One day at the battle of Armageddon, the might of this whole world will be thrown against him and it will be the sword of his mouth that silences the rebellion. Revelation 19, 11 through 16, I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. If you're not on his side, that's going to be a terrible day but there will be some that are on his side. Verse 14, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in white linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it that he should smite the nations and should rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, what a captain. I don't want that captain coming after me. I want that captain going before me and me following him. Verse 8. They also that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid of thy tokens. I don't know, maybe you can think of tokens as what the insurance company calls acts of God, right? <laughs> Say, do you, do you cover everything? Well, um, if a tornado comes and your house is gone, we don't cover that. <laughs> insurance company is very clear, whatever, and maybe you can get tornado insurance or whatever it is. Uh, Austin, <laughs> Trevor, the, Seth, they, they, know, they know about tornadoes. <laughs> wow. Boy, God sends tokens of his power. 
whether, whether it be uh, uh, hurricanes or tornadoes or earthquakes or, or thunder that comes. I remember lightning came and just blew off a corner, corner of our chimney, Brother Leslie, just uh, there, in, there in Utah. It traveled down this, this pine tree and then jumped from the pine tree to the chimney and blew off a corner of the chimney. Wow, that's powerful stuff. They're afraid of thy tokens. Thou makest the outgoings of the morning and evening to rejoice. Oh, to be in awe of his power and yet to recognize that his power is under complete control and to know that he loves us. Aren't you glad for John 3, 16? One that is so powerful that says, by the way, God so loved the world. Oh, good. Somebody that powerful, I, I, I want him to like me. And he does. To understand that all nature bends to his will should calm you. But it should also remind you that you should also bend to his will. All right, last point. It's not as long. Verses 9 through 13. He's such a, a wonderful captain of our confidence because he's so approachable. He's just awesome. But he's also so affectionate. As powerful as he is, he's so good and so kind to all of us down here. Verse 9. Thou visitest the earth and waterest it. We think of a, 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 a gardener that goes and, and takes time in his garden. Um, uh, uh, there's Deborah, my sister down there. We had, we had the guy next to us growing up, Mr. Gene. You know, he's out there with his little, you know, not quite, but out there with his little Swiss Army scissors, you know, trimming the blades of his grass, making sure, you know, each blade is perfect. And, and we, you know, we were good if our, short, if our grass was kind of the same length um, as the other parts of the, you know. He was just perfect over there. I mean, he was meticulous. He cared for his lawn like crazy, which was especially funny because we had a long needle pine, the same one that the, that the lightning traveled down. We had this long needle pine. If you know about long needle pines, they shed. Most pines don't really lose a lot of, of, of uh, their needles, but this long needle pine lost tons and tons and tons and tons of the long needles. And because of where the tree was, uh, a, lot, <laughs> a lot of the needles didn't fall on our property. They were like, over onto his property. And we're like, Mr. Perfect Lawn over there. Uh, but my dad, my dad was like, son, go over and take care of those needles. <sighs> yes, sir, we'll do it. <laughs> so we would go over there and, and uh, I don't know, Deborah probably helped me some, but I go over there with a rake and it was no small undertaking, this big long needle pine tree and, and, and it was just, you, you're, you're, you're raking and it's beginning to just roll. You're trying to roll the, the big pile over and try to, and then it'd be this long, and you, you'd try to just pick up a roll of it and, and carry it somewhere. Oh man. But we had that, that neighbor next door that was meticulous about keeping things as they should be. I kind of get that picture when we think of verse 9. Thou that visitest the earth and waterest it Thou that greatly enrichest it with the river of God. 
which is full of water. You think of the river of God that is full of water. I think it's probably referring to the hydrological cycle. The fact that God miraculously constantly moving moisture around this earth, isn't he? Um, God, you know, causing water to evaporate and go over here and fall here and, 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 and run into the oceans and evaporate again and come in over here and then there's rivers and, and watering this and, and, and oh, the river of God, which is full of water. Oh, the goodness of God that, that, that sends refreshing, life-giving showers. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so provided for it. Uh, his, the bountiful harvest that he gives. Thou waterest the ridges thereof abundantly. Thou settlest the furrows thereof. Thou makest it soft with showers. Thou blessest the springing thereof. So just, just like that older neighbor of ours, that just he spent time making sure things, uh, his yard was just right. God spends time watching and making sure he waters this and takes care of this and, and moves moisture around and, and softens the earth over here and settles the furrows. By the way, when crops grow, it is God being good to us, not showing us, look what we can do. It's like, yeah, because I set it up for that to work. And if God lets us learn how to, to produce better crops, that was God letting us learn. If we have effort to throw into it, it's God who lent us some strength to pour into the work. It's all him. It should never be, look what we can do. It's like, uh, you're welcome. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness. It seems to be referring that the year is crowned and you think it may be a golden crown and, and the golden harvest uh, there, there's a special time of year with harvest. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness. It isn't harvest all year long. There are special times of the year, the annual crowning times of harvest that we need to especially remember how good God is to us and not be like that rich man. In Luke 12, mm -mm, he was impressed with himself. Oh, the, the, his barns were full. And instead of saying, God was rich toward me, I need to be rich toward him. Oh no, he thought it was all him. Listen to this. Luke 12, 16. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose uh, shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself. And is not rich toward God. Psalm 65 goes on. Thy paths drop fatness. A, garden has, a gardener has his pathways through his garden. Possibly that's a, this is referring to this world being the garden of God. And him going through his pathways. Fatness possibly the idea of richness and, and bounty. Verse 12. They drop down the pastures of the wilderness. And the little hills rejoice on every side. The little hills down here rejoice. Are you rejoicing as much as, as the little hills? As God rains down his raindrops which hasten the harvest, God also pours out his mercy and care upon us. Verse 13, the pastures are clothed with flocks. I think that's so much fun. Uh, now we'll take sheep 
and cut the, the wool off of them and, and make a sweater possibly. We'll be clothed with wool. And God says, look at that pasture that's clothed with flocks. That pasture over there is also clothed with wool, still attached to the sheep. You have your wool sweater on and, and that hill over there has its wool sweater on, still attached to the sheep. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered over with corn. They shout for joy. The pastures and the valleys, they shout for joy. They also sing a duet. There's the, there's the, 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 the pasture, the, the, the hillside covered with sheep, and, and it looks over and sees the, 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 the area covered with crops, and they look at each other, they catch eyes, and they say, look at us. We get to reflect the bounty and goodness of God, and they shout together, and they begin singing. Oh, he's so good. Oh, can you at least compete with the hills and the pastures and the valleys as they rejoice? Can you also see God's blessing and rejoice? What a captain. What a captain of our confidence. He's so wonderful because he's approachable. Verses 1 through 4. All flesh shall come unto thee. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee. He's entirely awesome. By terrible things and righteousness wilt thou answer. He sets up the mountains by his strength. He's girded with power. He stills the waves and the tumults of people. They that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid at thy tokens. He's approachable and awesome, but he's so affectionate. He's so, so kind and good to us. He visits and waters the earth. He greatly enriches it. Why? For us. He makes the earth soft with showers. He crowns each year with his goodness. He clothes the pastures with his flocks. Why would we look anywhere else in this life? Is your heart aimed at Zion? Is your heart aimed at the kingdom of God? How obedient are we today? Seek ye first, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Is your heart aimed at things? Aimed at this world? If your heart is aimed in the right place, the right things will come to you. Where is your heart aimed? Oh, what a captain the captain of our confidence. How great thou art, the choir sang. Congregation, we sang, to God be the glory. Had some great messages today. I hope your heart is stirred like mine to give the captain of our confidence the attention and focus in this life that he deserves.